tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boostbytaxday to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. We have two guests for you on this latest episode of Soundtracking in the shape of director Nick Rowland and Benjamin Power, a.k.a. musician Blank Mass. The pair have collaborated on Nick's debut feature, Calm With Horses, a visceral crime drama set in the Wild West of Ireland, starring Cosmo Jarvis and Barry Keown. Now, it's a remarkably accomplished piece of filmmaking, which also marks Ben's first extended foray into the world of scoring. Now, plenty more of that shortly. First, a word from our friends at Babbel. Now, given that you probably have a wee bit more time on your hands at the moment, now presents the perfect opportunity to learn a new language. Maybe you're attempting to homeschool like me and failing miserably when it comes to French, Spanish or German. Or perhaps you just want to watch your favourite foreign movies, subtitle free. Well, with its clear and simple interface, Babbel guides you through your learning journey in a funny and smooth way. It's designed to get you speaking your new language within weeks, with daily 10 to 15 minute lessons teaching real life conversations through interactive dialogues. Lessons are lovingly created by over 100 language experts. Real people, not a translation machine. With Babbel, you can choose from 14 different languages and the teaching method has been proven to be effective across multiple studies. Babbel is available as an app or online and your progress will be synced across all your devices. Right now, Babbel is offering our listeners six months free with a purchase of a six-month subscription with the promo code SOUND. Go to babbel.co.uk forward slash play and use the promo code SOUND on your six-month subscription. That's B-A-B-B-E-L dot co dot uk slash play and use the promo code SOUND. And so to Nick and Ben, whose score for Calm With Horses more than stands up as an album in its own right. This is the opening cue, Violent Child.
congratulations on, on the film. It's absolutely beautiful. It's so great. The way it looks and the performances and just the colour palette of it. It's it, What was it about the story? And I know it's kind of derived from this short story that really kind of connected with you and you were you were kind of this is yeah this is this is kind of where I wanted to go and what I want to do. I was at film school uh, in my final year of film school at the time when I found um, Young Skins, which is Colin Barrett's original collection of short stories. And Calm with Horses was like a seventy-page novella, the sort of the centerpiece of this collection. And mm. I just kind of fell in love with it because um, you know it has the skeleton of this crime thriller, but um, the thing that really stood out to me was. I just really enjoyed being as kind of nefarious as these characters were. They were funny and they were emotional. And I just really believed that they were, they were real people, which is so, it's a very sort of simple thing to say. I feel it's quite hard to find. And Arm, the protagonist, I just found he has, the, you know, he's introduced in a very amoral way where he's, he's working as an enforcer for these family of drug dealers. And he's introduced by beating up this, this guy. And um, mm. but then you see, you see, this sort of sensitive relationship he has with his uh, young five-year-old autistic son and that duality and contrast was the the first thing that really sort of jumped out at me. When you started thinking about how it would be sonically, because Ben, I know that for you it wasn't just a case of of writing score with it as well. You worked really closely with the sound designer as well and and making sure that the kind of whole film had this full roundedness to it as well. But Nick, when you were thinking about kind of how the film would sound, what was the kind of thought process and what was the the kind of decision behind Ben and Blank Mass being the right partnership for the film? So there was a lot of, you know, the, the short story had this, it's a very, objectively, it's quite bleak and brutal, yet there was a real uh, sensitivity and, and kind of expressionistic, kind of melancholic tone to the story, which you get through the prose, which obviously you can't, it, it's hard to, ha- how do you convey that over an adaptation in the movie? So a lot of it came down to this, the, the sound design and the music. You know, we, we took the decision to try and really limit the point of view very closely to Arm and to kind of be in his head as much as possible, you know, because he's a character that doesn't, he's not very good at expressing himself and he's often not saying much. So we would often use music and sound design to kind of articulate a kind of visceral sense of how he feels. And then in, in terms of working with, with Ben, I mean, I was... I've always been such a huge fan of his. So I, I remember kind of, um, you know, several years ago when we were first playing around with bits of voiceover and bits of the script and I would play Ben's music over it to try and find a tone to it and stuff. But I never, I never, I, I never, I never really thought I'd actually, we'd actually get to work together. So it was a real thrill for me. Yeah. I guess that it's, it's a balance of tones. There's this, the crime thriller genre stuff, but there's also a lot of emotion in the story as well. And, trying to find a, a sound and a, a score that could accommodate both sides of the story in a, in a very sort of fluid way. And that's yeah. what Ben, I think, does so brilliantly.
was actually kind of interesting was that Nick um, told me um, afterwards, you know, I, I sent through some original kind of sketches for like a, a couple of cuts from the from a movie just in, in a kind of demo sense. And Nick told me that he didn't open up the the files to listen to the music for like three days afterwards because he really wanted them to be good. <laughs> and <laughs> <laughs> could have gone yeah yeah, yeah. Way, you know I mean? yeah 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 <laughs> wow and then it, and then he'd have to tell me you know thanks but no thanks kind oh, of situation yeah. those would be the worst <laughs> conversations to have with people though particularly you know when you say where you have that kind of like unrequited want to work with someone and then it's like oh my god please let it be what i want it to be yeah luckily luckily i had i had nothing to worry about and it was um it, it's kind of in a in a similar way to it's that cliche thing that filmmakers say that the first time Cosmo Jarvis came into audition you kind of knew straight away that okay that's this is going to work and it was very much the same when Ben sent through his the bits he'd been working on and it was that was really exciting because you know I'd always loved Ben's work and what I found really interesting is the kind of that melancholic emotional kind of gentle sadness that was just there in spades and it was just it was just so instant oh okay that's the sound of the film. kind of connected with i was sent the script um kind of i i guess there'd already been a cut made i I guess i came into the process quite late on actually so there was already i I already kind of had a palette in front of me if you see what i mean to kind of work towards but i felt that like for me this is the first time that i've worked i've done small bits for film and things like that before but never never have i done a full feature length um where i had to completely paint the picture with with the moving image or whatever so it was it was interesting to me and and i also thought that the characters are so well written here i really i, I, I kind of reveled you know i was very excited by the challenge of actually getting in their head and kind of like presenting their world on such a bigger scale and you know, I fell in love with the story as well. You know, I, I, I really the sadness that Nick talks about really cut through for me when I was reading the script. So yeah, that was definitely something that I wanted to kind of like try out for the first time. And yeah, I'm, I'm really happy I did. Really happy with how it turned out. Nick did a great job. You know, had you seen? Had you started filming by this point? We had. Yeah, we'd finished the main. Um, We'd finished the the main shoot, and I think we we had a rough cut, but there was a few 
there's maybe like a couple of days filming left or there's a few scenes missing and um, so I was able to sort of share a rough cut with a caveat of all that this is going to be different and that's going to be different and, and it was the, the fun thing about it was because we had we designed the story to be because it was so subjective it really we could really go through the scenes in a lot of detail and um, you know for example there's one there's one scene that takes place in a nightclub and Ben was able to, um, you know, create the the music that's playing in this nightclub, the sort of the diegetic sound that the characters are hearing. But what was great is, although it's the track that's actually playing there, it, it also does the work of score and sort of changes and reacts to how to to the drama that's unfolding. So kind of having that blending the the environment with with the emotions of the characters is a lot of fun. And then and then obviously with Mattis Ray, the sound designer, you know, working the three of us working very closely on scenes like that it was nice that ben had come in so early that we could we could really sort of tailor and make it very specific to the, to the edit was a real beast wasn't it that, yeah. i don't know if you can really call that a cue it, yeah it was it's 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 kind of like a sound <laughs> it, it has like a three it? it's a bit of everything it was it, it takes so many different twists and so many takes on so many different forms that piece of music that lasts i don't know all in all nick maybe 10 minutes or something like that yeah um, about nine minutes or yeah and it it's like cues within a club track within uh, this sound design world. I mean, I, I believe that Mattis actually went um, away and he took the club track as well and he played it in a club as well. So it's like this three-tiered kind of like oh, wow. process.
but it's I was really glad that actually when Nick when I first saw the first cut there was obviously a bit of temp music in the club and there are a couple of um times within the film where they where they're using existing things you know in a in a diegetic sense um but I I I actually said to Nick on one of our first meetings is I, I really want to make this music for the club scene because obviously, you know, the a, a lot of the other soundtrack, most well, most of it is very, it was a different practice to me. It's very out of my kind of usual palette, if you know what I mean, of sound. So it was nice to kind of throw something in there, which is maybe a little bit more kind of um, what people might be familiar with as far as Blank Mask goes, you know. You mentioned you said the word um, environment sort of around it as well, and I, I, it, coming from a little fishing village in Scotland, I mean there was so much within the story that I kind of was like that kind of almost like physical energy that a place has, you know, and, and the soundscape of it in regards to how the music really kind of reacts to the atmosphere and the location and all that kind of thing. I think is so brilliant as well, and I wondered if that was a that was the specific thing that you talked about and about that being almost part of or a character within it as well. I, I partly grew up in Banff in Aberdeenshire as well. That. So I mean, yeah. listening to you, you would never Yeah, say I mean, not, I'm not, yeah, I mean, like, uh, I'm not, a, I'm not a native, but... Um, you should hear him when he's at home. Really? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Um, Five minutes on the phone yeah, my, with one of these <laughs> yeah, relatives. But my mum, my mum still lives there and I get, yeah, that's, that's what I would class as home. And um, so, yeah, I, I guess when I was, you know, I'm not, um, I've never grown up on the west coast of Ireland, but I, you know, being in Banff, I felt the, there was an, an emotional truth, which I recognised and I felt like I'd met a lot of these yeah. characters and been to a lot of these places and not as many dodgy things were going yeah, on, but you, you wouldn't be surprised if maybe you were. So, yeah, and I think we found, we worked really hard to to get a lot of the sense of place conveyed with the locations and the performances and the actors so I felt like we got the authenticity we needed there which allowed us for the, for the sound we could really focus on the, the emotion and the, and the sort of the poetic side of, of the tone I guess yeah. rather than because you know the, those early stages you, you do go oh well we're making a, a film set in Ireland do we need to use a load of Irish instruments and <laughs> yeah. you know there's the, those that kind of what are we sort of expected to do and, and we like the idea of Kind of the story's very um, rural, and it's you know it's it's set, it's isolated, and there's mountains and the natural environment around them. But kind of almost treating the story like an urban film and bringing yeah. an urban kind of sound to it, and that that contrast was kind of exciting. I guess. Yeah. Do you know what music you need and what you need to write, Ben? In terms of I need X, Y, and Z, or are you kind of feeling it? I feel like actually we started off with, uh, I, I actually kind of jumped in at the deep end actually and I tried to write a lot of cues for the more kind of impactful moments actually straight off the bat. I always try and like tackle the most daunting thing first, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, and they actually, they, they seem to form reasonably quickly actually I guess Nick and I must have just been on the on the same page or he's extremely um, gifted at describing what he needs <laughs> where a difficulty started was actually some of the much smaller cues that almost would seem incidental next to some of the more kind of bombastic cues for want of a better word um, they were 
ones that maybe we struggled with a little bit more because they're so, I, I feel like some of them are, are so so specific that it's actually kind of dif- difficult to get this kind of sentiment across that you can't even really vote, uh, you know, you can't even really vocalise. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, we got there in the end and some, there are some points in the film where we thought there needed to be cues um, and maybe they just didn't. There just didn't need to be cues. Like I, I believe I wrote, I wrote about nine or ten cues for the one particular scene where um, Heck is giving a speech at Charlotte's birthday party or whatever, and we really struggled to get that one right, didn't we, Nick? And then in the end, we just thought, well, I guess if we're strugg- if we're struggling this much to kind of figure out what is right here, then maybe the scene speaks for itself and it doesn't need any musical accompaniment. Yeah, I think um, I remember there was another cue as well. We were trying to sort of convey isolation and like, how do we convey that in the end? Just the sound of wind did that or, or you know, something, something more minimal. Or, you know. I think sometimes it can be quite difficult um, to kind of convey these things that are so subtle, especially from me who, you know, historically, um, I just throw everything at the wall and then start to pick things away. So something like Nick is just saying there, you know, I mean, it's a different practice to kind of strip back everything um, in that sense. And yeah, there were some kind of things that maybe were just left to sound design as opposed to like musical cues, I think. There's a couple of specific moments for me that I wanted to to talk about. Um, First thing I wanted to ask is, is he listening to anything on his headphones when he's listening to his headphones? (laughs) Well, Uh, originally, yeah. It's something that didn't really... It didn't really survive the edit process, but in the script, we had this idea that before he would en- enact violence or do his day job of being this enforcer, that he would have to kind of zone into it. So yeah. it would be part of his kind of pre-performance routine. And that was, was going to be echoed at a few different points in the film. It was kind of one of those things, like, I, I kind of never fully nailed what what uh, what that would be. So it kind of it, it still works as a nice introduction to the character, but the, the original plan sort of fell by the wayside a little bit. Was Cosmo it would li- be blank mass, surely. Obviously, I was going to say, yeah. yeah. of course, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was Cosmo listening to anything, though, whilst, you know, in that particular scene? Did he listen to much music in terms of, because I know that he, just from reading all the production notes, he very much kind of, you know, stayed in, in accent, maybe not so much character throughout the whole thing to try and really sort of immerse himself in you know, in the culture of this character? Well, the thing with Cosmo is he used to be a, or he's, I guess he still is a musician. He's yeah. sort of, he, he seems to find a musical instrument anywhere. And, you know, he's all, he's always, he was always uh, in character the whole time. He was always, you know, dressed as arm and, you know, usually at the end of, I mean, it's, it, what I, because I only met Cosmo a, a handful of times in the auditions and then very quickly he was arm and became more solidified as arm for the months that I knew him. And I honestly, I kind of forgot who Cosmo was. And it was only when we got to the end of filming where we finished and he went back to his normal accent. And I was like, oh, shit, I've not seen you for oh, for, for um, a few months. And um, how have you been sort of thing? It was so weird. But, you know, sometimes you know, at the end of the day's filming, the actors, you know, usually get back to the hotel uh, an hour or two before me. And nine out of ten times I'd walk into the hotel and I'd hear beautiful classical music being played on the grand piano in the lobby and then I'd go around the corner and there's Cosmo still covered in fake blood and and all the rest of it um just you know playing away so yeah it's 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 and I think that's why Cosmo had you know 
his accent's flawless and he has such a good ear for these sorts of things. And you can really, you can tell he's got such a, a gift for that, that kind of stuff. And the other bit, other, there's quite a few here, but the, the next bit was the, the kind of narrative element to it. And I loved how that was scored when he's doing the narration sort of side of it. And what the kind of, I guess, the, you know, the th- sort of themes, I guess, around characters and that and, and whether that was kind of what you talked about, if it being almost kind of thematic in a way. It, it was completely. I'm not sure if that's something that it's definitely something that came out of our. We responded to it and and we became very obsessed with themes with the music and we liked the idea, you know, old scores where the score and the the themes are a real part of the characters and they're really memorable and, and we liked the idea that you could associate motivations with a piece of music that reoccurs in the film or. Um, or you can use a piece of music to link characters together. And actions also. I mean, they, there's a particular cue that happens whenever um, whenever Dimpner is um, manipulating Arm, and it happens at two kind of key moments. I was about to give a spoiler away then. <laughs> in a bus? Uh, but yes. Yeah. Once in, Once in a bus? Yeah, sort of one, uh, uh, like an abandoned train in a toilet, and then, uh, you know, somewhere towards the end (laughs) somewhere else towards the end yeah yeah idea though of scores that that do that did you have specific scores that you discussed from you know old films that for you did that I I don't really recall actually having um any chats with Nick about or at least making references to other films which use a similar kind of like theme-based cue system yeah it, it all it, it almost felt kind of impulsive and just to fit these scenarios and these characters to just go ahead and do it in this in this instance I think it it was it was kind of it it felt more intuitive to as opposed to kind of wanting to like not wanting to reference something but use it as like a reference point like moving in to this so yeah honestly I feel like it was intuitive between Nick and I actually I'm not sure if maybe Nick had had um, conversations with you know other people working on the film about this um, but we we certainly didn't, did we, Nick? Really? No, I mean, we sort of we always wanted. Although there's a, I guess there's a bleakness to the story. We we wanted the film to to be quite vibrant and cinematic, and you know, there's there's comedy in it, and there's we wanted the the world to feel quite to have a sort of elevated ordinariness to it, and almost treat 
treat the story a bit like a western and to, for it to have quite mm. an analog analog feel to it because we, I didn't want it to be the film to be mistaken as a piece of social realism or or a comment on anything political or anything like that we just wanted to create its, its own little world of this story so with the mountains and and, and and the isolation and sort of treating the town a bit like a frontier town in the west yeah. or you know the sort of spaghetti western kind of vibe yeah. that's something we were always aiming for to hit for the film to have a kind of classical feel to it use of space as well like that I ended up using in 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 these cues in the soundtrack you know there is a lot of kind of empty space which is just as important as like the the actual kind of audible components like within the cues themselves within the stems of the cues I, I do think that does mirror the kind of western thing that you're talking about you know There's a couple of other ones when um, when Jack and and um, Armour at the the fair and Jack's getting more and more kind of um, distressed, shall we say? That's an extraordinary piece and a really really moving scene as well. Yeah, it's one of those. A lot of those real emotional cues. I seem to remember we would we would talk about it a lot and talk about the scene. But then, from my point of view, anyway, it. It, it was very simple. It, you know, Ben would just send something through and it would just connect into something very visceral in your gut that was yeah. just exactly exactly what we needed. Had you it, seen it, that it, scene it, then, yeah. Ben, when you were, you know, were you reacting to to that performance? Yeah. Like that young kid that passed as that, as Jack, is it's extraordinary. Yeah, he was five, five years old, a local, a local boy. And um, we, I, I was very, you know, we were very lucky to find him. And also uh, Element Pictures were our co-producers on the film. So very graciously uh, Lenny Abrahamson who did such a great job with Room Amazing, with yeah. Jay, uh, you know so he was able to sort of um, share some of his tips and wisdom and, yeah. and um, so yeah but that's that was the, yeah all those scenes were all we'd already shot so um, yeah it was kind of a lot I, I seem to remember there was a lot of a lot of the time I would talk to Ben about there'd be beats that wouldn't be quite clear or motivations that wouldn't feel fully delineated properly or transitions that wouldn't would be feeling bumpy and I'd you know I'd spend days and days with the editors trying to solve these problems and then often I would I would talk to Ben and he would just do something very very 
simple but genius with the score that would just either ease a transition or really clarify a gear change in a scene or um, it would give a context to what I was thinking that that would unlock the scene you know going back to the club again there's at the end of the club scene it, it, it cuts to a scene on the cliff and it was so um, you know because of it's a low budget film and you know resources are tight and we never there was basically a scene missing between between uh, those two scenes and I was really struggling to make to make the that part of the edit flow and the way Ben was able to he kind of has the the club track bleed into the score of the next scene and it's it's a very elegant solution and it became one of my favorite moments in the film but it sort of was born out of me not doing my job properly um (laughs) (laughs) no I, I feel I feel like we just going back to the 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 point you made before about did it feel um did it feel like reactionary? Um, I, I feel like Nick and I actually spent a, a lot, like a heck of a lot of time actually kind of discussing or trying to figure out what sentiment we would want to portray within the score. And it would, and it would sometimes just come down to a list of words with, and, and sentiments, which we would narrow down to like shame or manipulation or something like that before, you know, I actually even turned anything on in the studio so I I feel like I actually came pretty well armed regarding the sentiments and stuff but obviously you know having like the having the a a cut of the film in front of you obviously is going to help and you're going to obviously kind of react to the environment as well as the internal sentiment that you're trying to get across what was it particularly then with that scene with with Jack and Arm at the at the fun fair Ben that you kind of drew from that really sort of I guess inspired well I feel like it escalates that the whole scenario in that scene escalates so I did want it to kind of reach a kind of climax which is almost kind of overwhelming but there is you know it ends up being shame and surrender essentially um I, I really wanted to kind of get like the surrender you know he knows that he's this is maybe the first time you see in the film, he knows that he's not capable of looking after Jack in, in the way that he, he should be, you know, and, it, and it's distressing for both of them. So I felt that, and it's obviously very sad, you know, and kind of panicked as well. I mean, the list could go on, <laughs> of, but I, I feel like the escalation and the way it escalates so quickly and, you know, it's, there's an undercurrent of kind of like panic and sadness that's kind of what we wanted to get across there.
Uh, in fact, Nick, Nick, correct me if I'm wrong here, but that was a moment when I think I wrote that cue when you were up here and I was playing around with it whilst you were here. And that was one moment where like both Nick and my, um, you know, our arms stood up on our hairs. Uh, our hairs stood up on our arms, sorry. <laughs> and we And we were... And we were like, well, that's got to be a sign that yeah. something's working. Yeah, it does. The, I mean, the whole film has a kind of real physical reaction to it, I think, as well. I love the car chase as well. I love a good car chase in a, in a, in a film. Nick, uh, from reading the production notes as well, I believe that it was something that you used to do professionally or just as a hobby, like racing cars? Uh, yeah, I used to compete in uh, in rallies. I was sort of amazing. A, a, I'm, a, I'm a I'm a failed rally driver, so I did that um, for that's a while. One way, that's one way of looking at it. Or you're just one of those people who's good at everything. But <laughs> no, def- definitely. Okay, definitely, favorite car um, favorite car chase in a in a movie. Oh, I'm going um, with Blues Brothers. I love that. I would have. I, I guess it's a car. I mean, I love um, you know Steve McQueen's Le Mans. Yeah, I think that's pretty pretty phenomenal. So I'd done a little um, short film. My graduation piece from film school was a, was about rally driving with Richard Madden and Michael Smiley. So I'd kind of done a low-budget car racing scene before, so I kind of took what I learned from that and applied it to, to this film. We only had a day to, to film the scene, so we had to be incredibly yeah. e- economical. And honestly, um, there's only three or four angles in the whole chase um, because that's all we had time for. So a lot of it was... You know, just being very economical with it and then a hell of a lot of the success of that scene is down to the sound design and, and the music and the way those things are working together luckily mattis the sound designer had done my rally driving short film as well so we'd, we'd sort of we'd sort of <laughs> didn't had good practice with it but um that sequence was one of the things that ben sent through as an early sketch you know before we really started working with each other and it, it basically stayed unchanged to my memory anyway i think it's basically as it was so that's just a case of ben nailing it and what i loved about it is there's um it brings amazing tension to the scene but it also the the, the rhythm of it made me think of like galloping horses and sort of tribalism and all this kind of yeah uh, stuff which just fitted perfectly and complements that landscape as well that it's going through as well like that western thing as well you were talking about that screeching guitar
So yeah, it was that. It was that cue, wasn't it, Nick? It was the the car chase, um, like the warehouse and the car chase, and then also like the main theme as well. I believe was the the maybe the first thing that you'd heard. You know. Yeah, I was so happy with with it that we yeah we hardly touched it. So when it came to actually the the final mix of the film, I remember there was a panic where we were like, where where are these? Where do these files even exist? Because we hadn't. You know that it was it was months since. Um, oh, and, that's uh, right. Uh, so we kind of, and we only yeah. had like an an MP3 of it that you'd sent me months ago. And then when it came to actually finding the stems, we were like, "Where is it?" Oh my! Because, yeah, I think it was because it because the it it pretty much stayed the same from when I sent in you know the demo cues or whatever, if you will, but. The first day you were here, there was we were making so many slight changes, weren't we, to fit it? You know, just like slight variations on when things would fade in and when things would come out, and and I, I guess I saved a bunch of different versions of it, and yeah. Panic. Won't, won't be doing that. Won't be doing that again. All is good though. We yeah. found them. Yeah. We found yeah. them. There's only one place they could have been. They can only be on my machine. So. <laughs> ben, what's They're your favourite film, uh, Car Chase? I've never really thought about it, actually. Who framed Roger Rabbit? <laughs> <laughs> I die. I, I, I'm, I'm not sure. I, I really don't know. <laughs> it's, um, it, it was, uh, was, were there any films, particularly, uh, Nick, for you, that were like, like inspiration for you in terms of going into to this production? Yeah, quite a, a, a weird mix in a way. I think the, the challenge with Calm With Horses is it's a very, in many ways, it's a very straightforward story. What made it really complicated to make was it, it has quite a lot of competing tones. You know, you have the emotional family drama, the crime thriller, and then sort of offbeat comedy at times and trying to find a, a language to it that would accommodate all of these things. And um, so you know, like early Danny Boyle work and early Shane Meadows was an influence. And then a lot of Jacques Audiard's work, I guess, as well, is, is I really respond well to. And yeah, I think trying to find a, a language that can sort of have a, a baseline of naturalism to it, but allow you to move into more expressionistic places, I guess. Yeah, so like movies like Rest and Bone were, were a huge influence and Shallow Grave and Train Spotting, all those, all those sorts of classics. Yeah. And then that that kind of I guess not it's not the last cue but but um, when he's at the house waiting basically and the the way that music's used kind of over the phone call and then oh man I was in bits watching that bit just like oh geez, that's good that, that's good that's good oh, I think I needed a big cuddle yeah. after that Jesus yeah I mean Cosmo it's a very simple way to end the film it's basic you know it's a it's an eight minute long take just on his face so and we had no other coverage or no other option you know we made the choice that that's how we were going to do it and brilliant i think that's take seven out of eight so yeah and we knew cosmo was going to nail it because originally i wanted uh, this phone call to be um an audition piece and shaheen Beg, the casting director was like you're cruel and evil for <laughs> making it, asking people to do that so we, we didn't in the end but cosmo came in for his audition and prepared it anyway because he wanted to do it oh my god you know made, made us all cry and, and so so i knew he would do it but i was still relieved relieved at how amazing he is in, in uh, at the end of the show it's about i i finding that balance of not wanting to be manipulative or kind of force an emotion down anyone's throat and and to support and and help elevate the performance rather than but still have confidence in the performance doing what it needs to to give it the space it requires i guess yeah was it an easy eight minutes to score ben well 
the the majority of that scene is actually there is no there is no cue and then obviously when it creeps in i feel like this was maybe um that whole scene was in the 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 first cut that was presented to me when i came on board and that one just felt in like very intuitive like you know everything is kind of coming to a close and kind of wrapping up so i i kind of impulsively i just felt like i was i, I had I had enough to go on yeah I, you know you 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 want it to be sad but there's also you you also want we also wanted there to be a hopeful element there too somehow so i felt that that one was i just had so much information that 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 felt like maybe one of the easier cues actually to work on guys go thank you by the way so much for taking the time to chat to me about about this beautiful thank brilliant you. film yeah, thank um, you what's next for you nick i'm apart from self-isolation so obviously <laughs> <laughs> yeah um i am uh, i'm actually writing um writing uh, my next film at the moment yes. which is going to be um it's going to be another crime thriller, but it takes place within the world of competitive rally driving. Ah, so that's what, wicked. That's, that's what's next. Yeah. Multiple car chases. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> ben, what about you? I've got a bit of stuff going on here. Some things I maybe can talk about and maybe some things I can't oh, yeah, talk someone about. Someone <laughs> in the next room actually said to send him a chin. So he's like. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I, I guess I'm just kind of like, kind of trying to um, navigate this self-isolation thing. You know, I was supposed to be, I'm supposed to be touring right now. Um, that's not happening, but I'm lucky in the sense that I can always find something to work on, you know. <laughs> like you said earlier, you've done various bits and bobs with, with film, but this being the first kind of proper... You know, yeah. full thing and and what was the experience like is it was it what you expected and is, does it make you want to do do more of that kind of thing I mean it's it's something that I've always wanted to do and obviously it's just a case of you know making that connection and the right kind of thing to actually present itself because your first one is you know it's it's it could be a very intensive process but I mean I guess I was kind of spoiled because you know Nick is a joy to work with so it so it all felt you know the creative side all of it uh, it just all fell into place so nicely and you know i i want to do more i want to do a lot more of this it's been something that you know i've wanted to get my teeth into for a long time so thanks nick <laughs> no, thank you um, yeah and i um 
we'll we'll see yeah. what's this space. Yeah. Before you go, can I get you both to recommend me a film to watch in this process of self isolation, please? And yes. silence. Oh, I'm <laughs> just trying to think. Pressure. <laughs> I know it's it's. Uh, do you know I haven't actually watched any movies during this self isolation. Yeah, what have period. you been doing? Just I've just been in the studio. I've just been in the studio <laughs> the whole time. Yeah, I'm. I feel a, like comfort films. So like one of my sort of childhood comfort films is Empire Records. So I think something, nice. Some, something culty like that. We watched um, the Truman Show with the kids last night. We weren't sure whether it was a seven-year-old appropriate, but we went for it anyway. <laughs> Seven and eleven-year-old. It was amazing. Oh my yeah, god! Yeah. yeah. I mean, the Philip Glass soundtrack oh. is crazy. turned around and went is there another one and we're like no mate sorry it's just the one um but oh my god yeah i'd forgotten how good and talk and just the, yeah the score in that is so yeah because it plays both because because it's the score of the the tv it's so and kind of weirdly twisted in those kind of i guess uh, it's beautiful narratives it was, it was it was brilliant actually it was really really great 1.7 billion were there for his birth 220 countries tuned in for his first step. The world stood still for that stolen kiss. And as he grew, so did the technology. An entire human life recorded on an intricate network of hidden cameras and broadcast live and unedited 24 hours a day, seven days a week, to an audience around the globe. Coming to you now from Sea Haven Island, enclosed in the largest studio ever constructed, and along with the Great Wall of China, one of only two man-made structures visible from space, now in its 30th great year, it's the Truman Show! I actually really enjoyed the uh, You Were Never Really Here, the Joaquin Phoenix, and that um, I, I thought that was an absolute masterpiece. And I only found out afterwards, I, I was like, I think the score is incredible, and then it turns out it's Greenwood, so, <laughs> so that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. yeah Lynn Ramsey, amazing, absolutely amazing. Yeah. Listen, so thank great. you both so much. 
it's such a great well, film. Thank you. And um, I can't wait to see what, what you do either together next or, you know, individually, particularly looking forward to the uh, the next the race car film as well, Nick. That sounds awesome. Oh, thank Where you can we much. Can we watch your short film anywhere? Yeah, I've got a, a Vimeo page, so you can probably just search for Nick Rowland and, and Vimeo, and I've got all of all of my shorts on there if you're bored where I'm going <laughs> yeah that's on. what I should have rec- recommended yeah. <laughs> I recommend I, re- I recommend Slap actually I recommend Slap yeah okay that's a oh, good cool. that's a good shot of Nick's it's, it's amazing okay yeah. oh, thank you so cool. much guys thank you. take care thank you take care yeah. thank you You Were Never Really Here as recommended by Benjamin Power that's Joe's Drive by Johnny Greenwood rounding off the latest episode of Soundtracking with writer, director Nick Rowland and Blank Mass My huge thanks to the pair of them for taking the time to talk to us from their respective homes Calm With Horses is available on home entertainment formats from the 27th of April make sure you stick a reminder in your diary with Ben's score already out digitally via our good friends at Invader Records. It really is a cracking debut and you can get it in vinyl format, I think May time. Don't forget to check out Nick's short films on his Vimeo channel too. We'll stick a link to that up on our socials. Head to edithbowman.com to hear my chats with some of the directors mentioned, including Danny Boyle and Lynn Ramsey. And my website is also the place to subscribe to this podcast, though your preferred provider works just as well. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. We are at Soundtracking UK and please do keep an eye on our YouTube channel as we've just stuck up our first new episode of our weekly show. It's a little bit rough around the edges. That's because I edited it. Next up in isolation, absolutely thrilled to catch up with the fabulous Lenny Abramson, who has directed and executive produced Sally Rooney's Normal People for TV. I very much look forward to the pleasure of your company then. In the meantime, stay safe.